Thank you for joining us on the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. This podcast is designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health. Our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. In each episode, we'll hear from writer, speaker, mom, and pastor's wife, Shari King, as she invites you into conversations about the issues that matter most to you. Now, let's get started. Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. I have a very exciting season for you this time. This is season eight, and this is going to be a series of podcasts dedicated to the book of Ruth. So we're going to do a few teachings about Ruth in the beginning, and then we'll have a conversation about what that part of the scripture means to our lives. And I just absolutely cannot wait because I have been digging deep into the book of Ruth and she has really excited me with her life. So today in the studio, I have with me my husband, Clayton King. Hey, Shari King. Hello. We have to say King sometimes at the end of our name because people do misunderstand. Don't they, they do. They think it's Keen, K E E N E. And I'm like, no, it's King with a G, like royalty. Yeah. When we first met and you did that, I thought it was very strange that you always said, I'm Clayton King, but now I know why. Yeah. Same way that you have to tell people that your name is Shari, not Sherry. It's like Sharpie without a P. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so this episode today, I had, I'm having you in here with me because I feel like you're a good voice um, for this question, which may seem strange because the question that we're asking today is, is God good to women? Yeah. I love that question. I think I love it so much because I've watched you over the last several months, actually going back almost an entire semester, I still think in terms of semesters, but I've watched you really dig into the book of Ruth. Mm -hmm. And I've watched you study Ruth and her life. I've watched you study Naomi. I've seen how the book of Ruth has really challenged and shaped you. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also watched how you've taken what God has shown you from the book of Ruth and you've taught that to other women. Mm-hmm. You've uh, done that in our home. You know, you taught through the book uh, by Carolyn Custis James. Um, that was, I guess, for me, really beautiful to watch you teach through a book of the Bible with women because it's something you've wanted to do for years, mm-hmm. but you didn't have the space because your life was really centered around homeschooling our boys mm-hmm. until last fall when our boys decided to go to public school. It opened up the space for you to really dig into this, not just the book of Ruth, and um, but it also gave you the chance to take some of what you learned and invite some women to come and join you on the journey. Right. And so much in our past, we've traveled. And so it's been hard for us to have one consistent day that I've been able to be home and have something like a small group or something like that. But now that you are a pastor, we have a little bit more consistency in our lives. And that gives us the opportunity to not only have a small group, but also have a family group and community and things like that. So it's been good for us. And that's what, what's so great about this podcast uh, and this season that you're starting. This is, first of all, I can't believe this is your eighth season already. <laughs> Congratulations. Honestly, Thank I'm proud you. of you. Um, but this season is all about uh, women. Mm-hmm. And um, we're starting off the season with this question, is God good to women? Mm-hmm. I'm curious, where did that question come from? And why did you want to start your season off with that question? Because it's a good one. That question actually comes from Carolyn Custis James' book, The Gospel of Ruth. Um, And I read it first in there, but I think that I've always kind of wondered that. And I think that there are probably a lot of women out there that have read the Bible and thought to themselves, does God care about women as much as he does Mm, men? Right. And 
you know, even though we live in a culture where I believe the equality or the value has been given to women way more than it has in the past, mm-hmm. I think that we've we've progressed a lot, but in the past, the, the, every foundation that we have or, or our society has had creates something in the future. And I think that there's something within our society where women do ask, does God value me as much as a man because of the way the churches have been structured and our society has been structured. It's been a a man dominated world for a long time, you know, and that's not a criticism necessarily toward men or even toward God, but it's something that I think we need to ask ourselves when we look at the Bible and we start looking at these stories, not from, say, a patriarchal perspective, but trying to actually see, is God good to women? So let's look at their stories in light of how he sees them. Mm-hmm. So when we think about uh, the gospel of Ruth, mm-hmm. for me, uh, anytime I hear the word gospel, I hear the phrase good news. Mm-hmm. So this book by Carolyn Custis James, The Gospel of Ruth, really is a book about good news. Mm-hmm. And the good news is simply the answer to the question. So the question for your podcast today is, is God good to women? Right. And the good news is, yes, he is. Mm-hmm. He really is. As yeah. a matter of fact, one of the things that I've um, seen you learn and that you and I have talked about and discussed at our dinner table and in the kitchen as we're preparing meals and in the you know, um, bathroom as we're getting ready in the mornings for work and for the things that we have to do is that when you read the scripture in its entirety, and then when you really zero in on the book of Ruth, you see this almost scandalous thing that God's doing by valuing women in ways that culture had not yet valued women. Mm -hmm. And we see that in the gospel of Ruth. So maybe it would help us to just kind of do a basic rundown of the story, right? Yeah, I think we need to talk about the story because on the surface, the story actually looks very tragic and like God doesn't care about women. Right, because the women suffer a lot in this story, right? They do, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of it is just natural disasters, some of it is societal, um, and some of it is just devastation that happens in their life that is beyond control. But I think whenever someone goes through a hard circumstance in their life, the one question that they're going to ask themselves is, is God good? Mm. And is he good to me? So this question is very relevant because these women suffer a lot and we see how God steps in and intervenes. Yeah. And so it is a story of suffering, Mm. but it's a story of redemption. Mm -hmm. And even though all the hard things aren't buttoned up really neatly at the end. Right. Um, because the pain that Naomi goes through and that Ruth goes through and that Orpah goes through, it's still real pain in mm-hmm. this story. But in the end, we see so much symbolism that points us to Jesus mm-hmm. and some really crazy connections, even to the lineage of day, uh, of, of Jesus through David. So let's kind of, yeah. I don't know, you, you're, you're so familiar with this story now um, after having read the book and taught this right. material it really kind of starts off with uh, Naomi and Elimelech, right? Right. So Naomi and Elimelech and are living in Bethlehem. And they're married. Naomi uh-huh. is the woman. Elimelech is yep. the man. And they're living in Bethlehem, which, by the way, the in, uh, the translation of the word Bethlehem is known as the house of bread. Yeah. Um, which I find um, very interesting because Jesus actually is the bread of life. Yeah. And he also was born in Bethlehem. Yep. So... Bethlehem is called the house of bread, but at that time that Naomi and Elimelech are living there, there's a famine Mm -hmm. and they have no food. Yeah. So the crops have failed. People are starving to death and people are desperate. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a Jewish community. And so, you know, I think at the time, anyone who stayed was seen as a faithful Jew, but those who left and went to other cities, it, it was kind of like looked down on them a little bit. Almost for like they abandoned their, their land or their people. Right. And so Elimelech and Naomi actually go to Moab, which is 
not uh, pri- primarily Jewish. They didn't primarily worship um, Yahweh. They yeah. actually worshipped a lot of p- pagan gods. So and Moab back then would be modern day Jordan today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And so they, de- but they decide they have no other choice that they've experienced such famine and there's such devastation that they end up moving to Moab. Their whole family does. So um, while they're living in Moab, basically what happens is her husband dies. Mm. And when her husband dies, she has two sons. And so what people may not know is that a widow in a culture like that, if she had two sons, they were her only hope. Right. So if she could marry them off and create a family, she had hope for survival. Mm-hmm. And so she decided, I'm going to go ahead and marry my sons off. She marries them to two women in that in Moab, but they are probably not God fearers. Right. So you got two Jewish sons now mm-hmm. marrying two Moabite women who are not God fearers. Right. And Naomi is just hoping that them getting married is going to somehow secure her future. Exactly. And so um, according to Carolyn and her book, basically there's about a 10-year um, period of time here where these women and these men try to have children, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work out. Wow. A decade, barren wounds. Yes. And at the end of that, these two men die. Both of her sons die. Yes. So, so she's lost her husband, Elimelech, and mm-hmm. now she's lost both of her boys. Yes. And all she has is these daughters who may or may not at this point, we don't know how far they are in their faith. Maybe they're still pagans and they have, haven't decided to worship Yahweh. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but at this, I mean, maybe they're interested. Maybe they've asked questions or maybe not. Maybe they're living in Moab and they're like, this is our culture. We're just going to live how we want to live. So... Mm-hmm. But there's no hope at that point um, for Naomi. She feels like that God hates her at this point. And so she says to her daughters, we need to go back to Bethlehem. And these these are her, are her daughter-in-laws. Daughter-in-laws, yeah. because yeah. it's crazy. Like They would have been considered daughters because they had married her sons, mm-hmm. but they're not her blood descendants. They're not even her own DNA. Right, and culturally, they owed their lives to Naomi mm-hmm. at this point. Because they had married her sons. Mm-hmm. And so Naomi says, there's actually, uh, Bethlehem has now become a house of bread again. Um, they've come out of the famine, mm-hmm. and so she says, I'm going to go back home. And on the journey back home, she looks at Orpha and she looks at Naomi and she says, you need to go back home. And there's probably a lot of reasons for this, but... She looks at Ruth. Uh, Naomi looks at Orpah and Ruth. Orpah Ruth, and Ruth. Her, yeah, right. You said uh, Naomi was accidental. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, her, so the the mother in law looks at her two daughters in law and says, "You need to go back to Moab." Mm. And basically, her reasoning behind this was, if you go back there and you go to the house of your parents, which um, some some translators said your mother, then. Um, you can find a new husband. Mm-hmm. And so that was symbolic of going back to the house of your mother or the house of your parents saying, go back and be under their roof and they can, they can find you a husband because that's the only way you're going to survive. And I personally think Naomi was worn out. Mm-hmm. I think that she just did not know how to carry an own, her burden, but also theirs because she was depressed. I think at this point, right. she felt like God hated her. She'd lost everything and she's going back to Bethlehem and she's got foreign women with her mm-hmm. walking into a Jewish community with two women who they would see as pagans. She may not get as much help as if she went on her own. Mm-hmm to her own family. And so she asked them to go back and Orpha makes a very reasonable decision. She, she goes back and Naomi doesn't scold her for it. It's actually, you know, a very logical decision and she goes back, but Ruth looks at her and basically just says, I'm not going back. Hmm. 
She refused to go back to her parents. Yeah. And can you imagine? Okay. So, you know, it's her mother-in-law. Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law. It's not even her real mom, you know, and, and Naomi's bitter and Naomi feels like God has hated her and all of these things. But, but Ruth looks at her and says, I'm not going back wherever you go. I'm going wherever you live. I'm going to live where you die. I'm going to die. I'm going to worship your God. And if any, if I don't live up to this commitment, God can kill me. Wow. So there was a connection that she had made with Mm -hmm. Naomi. Yeah. So Ruth, a, a Moabite, who, as far as we know at that point, may not have been a God fear at all, mm-hmm. has now decided I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave Moab mm-hmm. with my mother-in-law, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go back with her to her homeland to Israel, yep. and I'm going to settle with her and live with her in Bethlehem, even though I'm not married to her son anymore because he's dead. Mm-hmm. What a crazy story! And it's, it's you know a lot of people use those verses um, when they're getting married. They you know where you go, I'll go; where you die, I'll do, yeah. die. But here's the thing: it's it's a um, mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship. It's not a husband and wife. wife. So -hmm. this is a very big commitment for someone like that to make. Mm -hmm. Um, So I love that this is what Ruth says to her. And after this point, it's really interesting in scripture. If you look at it, it says, and after this, Naomi stopped talking to her. (laughs) So part of me thinks that the whole way at this point, Naomi's Naomi's like, y'all just need to go back. I can't do this, you know, talking and being discouraged. And And then finally, when Ruth stands up to her and says, woman, I'm not going back, you know, then Naomi gives up and she just decides, okay, I guess we're headed toward Bethlehem. So you've given us a little bit of context to what that culture would have felt like for a woman to live there. Yeah. Women in so many respects were almost like second class citizens or second class human beings. Mm -hmm. Um, They couldn't own property the way men could. They didn't have uh, rights of inheritance the way men did. They couldn't just relocate to a new place and get a new job like women can do in America today. Mm -hmm. So I mean, obviously that does bring up the question, is God good to women? Yep. And so we'll talk about that question. We're going to stop for a break right now because they've reached Bethlehem. And after the break, we're going to continue the story once they walk into Bethlehem and what goes on there. At Clayton King Ministries, we exist to serve the local church in its entirety. And that's why we're having our first ever Crossroads Marriage Conference this year. If you're married or engaged, be sure to join us in Asheville, North Carolina on November 1st through 2nd, 2019 for a relaxing, challenging, and restorative weekend as we dive into what godly relationships look like, how to create healthy habits in your relationship, and learning how to use God's word to elevate marriage as a powerful witness to a watching world. Clayton and Shari will be teaching and hosting each of our sessions with many guest speakers that will provide insight that we know you're going to love. Learn more and sign up today at CrossroadsMarriageConference.com. We can't wait to see you and your spouse there. So we're in the story of Ruth and we're asking this question, is God good to women? We're specifically asking that question in context of the story of Ruth, which I have watched this story transform my wife's life recently. So Shari, we are now in the point in the story where, okay, Ruth has followed Naomi all the way back from modern day Jordan, ancient Moab, Mm -hmm. back across the Jordan Valley. They're back in Israel. They're back in her hometown of Bethlehem. And they've been gone for over a decade. Mm -hmm. And man, can you imagine? I mean, for me, I'm thinking, what was Naomi feeling When she walks back into Bethlehem and she's been gone for 10 years and she's bringing a Moabite woman with her that nobody there has seen before. Well, the other day, uh, that's funny when you were, when you said, what was she feeling? 
So you complimented me yesterday because you said that you had spoken with someone who we knew in yeah. the town where we used to live. And when we lived in that town, um, I remember that person probably remembers me when I was pregnant and suffering from postpartum depression and had two kids and just probably never, uh, never really felt comfortable in my clothes at that point because yeah. I was in and out of different sizes, pregnant, not pregnant, trying to get baby weight off and, and honestly, just a little bit depressed. Yeah. Um, and I just maybe just didn't fix up that much, you mm-hmm. know? I think that's how Naomi felt walking into this village because you you read this verse and it says, in Ruth one twenty one, upon her arrival into Bethlehem, the whole town was excited about their arrival, and the local women exclaimed, "Can this be Naomi?" But Naomi responds, "Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made me very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty." Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has opposed me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Mm. So I think that when I think about this time when I used, when I was living in our old town, I feel like I wasn't probably to this extreme. Like I didn't feel right. like God hated me. But when I look at old pictures, it just didn't, didn't feel like me. I just feel like there's not this happiness that I normally see in pictures now. Yeah. Um, and even the, the person that you talked to from our old town, he said that I looked... Like I was doing well. I look so young in my pictures. It looks like life is treating me well. And I just feel like a different person than I did then. Yeah. I think the opposite is happening with her. She left. She left feeling full mm-hmm. and she's coming back. And I think she doesn't even recognize herself. And she feels empty because she's lost so much. Yeah. She lost her husband, Elimelech, yes. while they were uh, across the Jordan mm-hmm. in, you know, modern day, modern day Jordan, mm-hmm. um, Moab. She lost both of her sons while she was there. And the irony is they left her hometown and they left her country to avoid starving to death in the famine. Right. Then they go to this other country. She loses her husband. Her two boys get married and then her two boys die. Right. So you can imagine when she comes back, she probably doesn't feel like she has a whole lot in her life to herself at all anymore. Right. If they had a photo booth when she left... And uh, she took a picture and then she took one when she came back. I think she'd look at those two people and yeah. those pictures and say, these are very different people. She even changed her name, right? Yeah. So, my name is Mara now. Which don't means call bitterness. Me. Yeah. Don't call me Naomi. So I think that's that's hard. Um, and so she probably felt like God was not good to her. I mean, that's no. kind of what we're talking about in this, in this episode is God yeah. good to women. And you've even said that in your own story. And I know because I was there with you, there were times where you questioned, is God good to me? And I think every woman probably goes through that at some point in their life. Yeah. I think every person can, you know, I just think that, um, honestly, you know, minorities and women Mm -hmm. and people who are suffering, just, there's a lot of people who probably wonder whether God is good to them. I think every person has that thought at one point, if they've Mm -hmm. gone through suffering or pain and Ruth is feeling that way. And what I love is that, uh, that, I mean, Naomi's feeling that way. And what I love is that Ruth is almost standing beside her to say, I'm going to be so good to you that I'm going to not let you feel this way anymore. Hmm. I think that was Ruth's mission. Yeah. I'm standing beside my mother-in-law and I'm going to work my tail off. And when they walked into Bethlehem, that was Ruth's job. Yeah. yeah. Ruth had a real deep love mm-hmm. for this woman. She's not bound to her anymore by law or even by culture. Yeah. She, well, she, Naomi said you can leave. Yeah. Naomi gave her permission. Yeah. And but she decided not to. She forsook like, a future with a husband, a future mm-hmm. family, and everything for Naomi. Yeah. Her whole life was dedicated to Naomi. She said, I, I'm i going to give everything up for you. 
And Naomi, I think at the time, still felt bitter. I think she probably appreciated what Ruth was doing, but she might have also felt like bringing Ruth home was a weight. So when they get back to Bethlehem, uh, the story kind of takes a turn. Ruth, actually, she puts her life at risk Mm -hmm. because she starts working in the fields. Yeah, so I don't know if... uh, This is pointed out in the study, um, the Gospel of Ruth by Carolyn um, Custis James, but it was dangerous for people to go work in these fields. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something that, it was something that was normal. And by law, they could go and gather what What the owners, yeah, whatever was left over. But it was a dangerous place to be. It was a bunch of people who were suffering and didn't have any money. So there was probably fighting. Um, There, she was a vulnerable young woman. Mm-hmm. there on her own. So terrible things could have happened. Um, it just wasn't, widows were supposed to be cared for, but that didn't always happen. Mm-hmm. And so widows didn't have a voice anymore because they didn't have a man to speak up for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they had no way to provide for themselves. It's not like a woman in this society could just go down the street and get a job. They had no way to get a job. So yeah. Begging for food was the only way they survived. Yeah, there's no safety net. No. There's no social security. There's nothing. There's no Medicare or Medicaid. Mm-mm. There's only the community. Yeah. And and so God had it set up for the Jewish community. They were supposed to. That's why you see in the scriptures so much emphasis, especially by Luke, talking about taking care of the orphan and the widow mm-hmm. and the ones who are less fortunate. And so that God tried to set that up within the Jewish community as something that was a regular thing because every other, most other cultures did not do that. Mm -hmm. And so God wanted his people to take care of the others. In fact, that was the reason for multiple, uh, multiple wives. Yeah. It wasn't so much about a man having a harem. He can have sex with a bunch of different women. It was really distribution of work and responsibilities. It was, if you lose your husband, I'm going to take you in and you will not have to be out there on your own begging for food. And that was the heart behind it. And we think it's so weird now, but that's the way that they took care of their family. Mm -hmm. And so if a, a husband and wife are married and that husband dies, the wife marries the brother so mm-hmm. that she is not alone. Not left alone yes. to basically starve to death right. in poverty. Yeah. And the family is taken care of. And mm-hmm. so that was the reason for multiple marriages like that. Um, so anyway, um, Ruth goes out and she decides to work in the fields and she works like crazy. And this man named Boaz notices her work. Um, he notices her faithfulness, and and Ruth ends up winning Boaz's respect, and that's kind of like the the climax of the story because when he notices um, when he notices Ruth, he ends up allowing her to work beside his workers and get more than she would normally get as a beggar. So the way it worked in the fields is whatever was like dropped, yeah, because they they harvested everything by hand, uh-huh. and so a lot of the wheat or the grain would just be dropped on the ground, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, when the real workers were gone. The beggars and the poor people would come and basically scavenge what was left. Right. So Boaz notices Ruth and yeah. then lets her he, sort of tag along with his workers, right? Yes. Yeah, so basically she's kind of getting some of his profit. Yeah. You know, and and not only that, but he says, I don't want you to go to another field. I don't want you to stay here where you can be safe. It specifically says, stay here and my workers will look after you so you're not harmed. Okay. So um, he's protecting her. Yes, he's protecting her. He gives her food mm-hmm. also. He actually serves her a meal. Mm-hmm. And he gives and he allows her to have water um, while she's there in a place of like, you know, sustenance while mm-hmm. she's there. So the first time that she goes home, she ends up bringing almost, I think, 29 pounds of food. 
back, back her. on her back and, and, um, and she brings it to Naomi and that's when Naomi is broken out of her bitterness. Okay. It's such a sweetness. Like she walks in the door and Naomi realizes that Ruth has been noticed. And I think she feels like God has noticed us. Now we are back in this place of sustenance of provision. Bethlehem maybe really is the house of bread where God is a provider. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Naomi, I think, is snapping out of her bitterness at this point. So um, the hard thing is that in the Bible, when you look at um, women overall, uh, we've already talked a lot about the fact that they cannot get their own jobs. They need a man to survive. They need a family to survive. But widows were probably the uh, the har- harshest treated of them all, mm-hmm. you know, if they didn't have children. Yeah. Um. And so, what what's very significant is that um, there was a woman in our Bible study. She looked up these stats for us and she shared them, and I thought they were so great. But she's she went through the Bible and she said, out of eleven widows that were talked about in the Bible, eleven uh or eleven widows in the, in the Bible, Bible, right, were um the subject of miracles that Jesus performed. That's so interesting, mm-hmm. which shows that Jesus had compassion on widows because he knew that the, that typically widows yeah. would be overlooked. If you actually look in the New Testament, Jesus gives a lot of attention not only to to women, mm-hmm. but to widows, to lepers, to mm-hmm. w- people who are wounded. He is seeking out people who are um, not the elite. And I wonder that this is a little bit off topic, but I've often wondered... If Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a widow, you know, because mm-hmm. we don't hear about Joseph at all after Jesus is a boy. The last yeah. time we see him, he's 12 years old when, he, when they leave him behind at the temple. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if one of the reasons why Jesus had a soft place in his heart for widows is because his mother was a widow. Maybe Joseph died at a premature age. And then Jesus knew that once he was crucified and resurrected, that his mother would be on earth without him with her children. Mm -hmm. So that's so interesting. And it just points out that even when it looks like God is not good to women, he really is good to women. He's specifically good to widows. Yeah. And if you, I mean, I don't know if that, we don't know if that theory theory is true or not, but if you think about Jesus being crucified on the cross, he looks down at Mary and he looks at John and he says, this is now your mother Yeah. to John yeah. as if now can you take care take of care her of because mom. I'm gone. Yeah. I'm going to be gone. It's not that she didn't have other sons, but he wanted John to take care of her. Which mean, which meant that Jesus trusted John yes. enough to entrust his mother's care to John. And it meant that he cared about his mom that much. To make sure that she had someone, yeah. You know, and in and, and today's culture, we take that for granted. But I mean, there's other cultures where... Um, if a, if the husband dies, the woman is burned Yeah, yeah. or killed. Honor killings. Yes. It happens a lot in India. Right. It's very, very common in India. Husband dies and, uh, and the, and the wife will set herself on fire or sometimes people in the family or the community will set herself on fire. Some very fascinating documentaries on that very subject. I know that's kind of off subject a little bit, but it just goes to show you the scandalous nature of like God's heart that he values women so much in a world that has typically not valued women the mm-hmm. same way. And I think we see God's heart in Boaz and in Ruth. His kindness yeah. toward Naomi is just extraordinary. But also, um, out of seven w- women who in- were initially barren in Jesus' lineage, um, six of them end up having children 
And I think that's really neat to think about too. Yeah. Is God caring about that as well? So when we ask about God being good to women, uh, we see that his goodness is often shown through his children. And by that, I mean, um, Sometimes we pray to God and we're asking him to answer these big prayers of like, are you good? Why aren't you stepping in? Why aren't you coming down to earth and solving all my problems? But um, I believe that we are the answer Mm -hmm. to God's prayers. Like if you have a problem, I am supposed to answer, help answer that prayer for you. So just in the same way that Ruth said to Naomi, and I don't think Naomi understood it at the time, but she said, I'm going to answer your, I'm going to be the answer to your prayer. Yeah. I'm going to stand beside you until you die. And, um, and then Boaz sees Ruth in the fields and he knows scripture specifically says he knows that she's serving Naomi and that impresses him. And so he steps in and he becomes an answer to them too. And we'll talk about that a little bit more with Boaz and, and then other episodes, but I just wanted to kind of like bring that up. Um, and then I also wanted to, uh, on that note of us being the answer to someone else's pain, um, you know, I've read a couple of books by Mother Teresa. She's one of my heroes. And, um, you know, when she started a ministry in Calcutta, one of the reasons that she started is she saw people dying on the streets that no one cared about. Um, because they were dying, no one cared how they died. Right. And so she had compassion on the fact that they were wasting away on the streets, maggots eating their skin, no one caring, covered in dirt. And she said, I'm going to love these people until they die. They weren't just useless to her. And so she took them off the streets and she brought them into this um, this um, hospital. I, I guess it ended up being a hospital, but in the beginning, it was just an old abandoned building. And she brought them in. She started caring for them. Well, there was this um, woman who was from one of the highest castes in India. And if you don't understand the caste system in India, when you're in a highest higher caste in India, you're not going to touch someone of a lower caste. So someone who would be on the street and dying would not be someone who you would touch or associate with. Mm-hmm. So there was a, a young woman who came in and she wanted to be a nun with Mother Teresa. And a reporter showed up that day to do a story on Mother Teresa. And when the reporter showed up and he saw the woman from the higher caste, he said, she'll never be able to do this. Like he just thought, no, he he just thought there's no way someone that wealthy is going to serve these poor people. Mm -hmm. And so um, he doubted her. But this young woman's name was Sadhana. And um, she was kind of, I guess, assigned to go clean this man who came in. Um, who had maggots all over and dirt was covering him. And he had been found, I think, in the gutters Mm -hmm. somewhere. So they brought him in and Sadhana went in there to try to clean him. And in the middle of trying to clean him, she literally, her stomach became so sick, she felt like she was going to throw up. Mm -hmm. So she left and she went to the bathroom and she did. She threw up. She started crying, and she didn't know how she was going to go back in and do this job that she really wanted to serve the Lord doing. So she went to Mother Teresa, and she said, how do I do this? And Mother Teresa said to her, you just need to see him as Jesus. Mm -hmm. Pretend as if you are ministering to the actual body of Jesus Christ. And so she went back in, and she cleaned the man. And she finished, and when she got done, she she ran out of the building with her hands lifted high, and her, her face was just shining so bright, and she screamed, I cleaned him, I cleaned him. Mm-hmm. And the reporter looked at her and, and said, how did you do it? 
And she said, I, I've been ministering to the body of Jesus Christ for three hours. Wow. So it took her three hours to clean the man and minister to him, you yeah. know? Um, but I think that's, that's what this means. That's what the book of Ruth is just so beautiful because it shows that God does care about women. First of all, it's called Ruth and it's in the Bible. Right. It's named after a woman and it's a book in the Bible, which shows that God values that, mm-hmm. uh, values women because you have a female name associated to a book that is contained within scripture. But also it just shows that God did care about Naomi. He didn't abandon her. He just used Ruth and Boaz to be the ministers instead of him coming down as an angel, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that we need to be aware that we are God's answer to people. Love this book. I, I love what God's teaching you and hopefully what you can help teach other women and other folks listen to your podcast. So mm-hmm. we'll pick up in the next episode mm-hmm. uh, and talk more about the story of Ruth and how God uses uh, Boaz. Yeah, we're going to talk about Boaz, and I'm so excited you're going to be here for that one too. And uh, friends, I just want to thank you so much for joining us for this episode, number 36 of Overcoming Monday, where we provide little secrets for your big breakthrough. Um, this episode is actually foundational for all the other podcasts in the season. The big idea is that God is good to women, um, but very often that goodness flows through his children's kindness toward one another. So we're often the answer to our brother and sister's prayers. If this episode has provided a little secret for your big breakthrough, please help spread the message by reviewing and rating Overcoming Monday on your podcast platform and also share your favorite episodes or quotes on social media. Overcoming Monday is a production of Clayton King Ministries. We thank you so much for your support and hope that we've given you something to overcome your Monday. We're thankful you chose to listen to Overcoming Monday, a production of Clayton King Ministries. This podcast happens because of you. There are three ways you can help us reach even more people. Be sure to share us with your friends and follow Shari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at ShariKing99. You can also make a tax-deductible donation to CKM, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry at ClaytonKing.com give. And of course, subscribe. And for more encouragement to move you forward in your faith, check out her blog at shariking.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope we've given you something to help overcome this Monday.